Good morning, y'all, and welcome to the Living to Die podcast. My name is Jem, and today we're getting into the topic of over-identifying with our thoughts. So I apologize in advance. My voice is very congested because I am sick. Um, but besides that, back into the topic, we are not our thoughts. That is that is the one thing I want you to get take away from anything that I ever talk about, is that you create your own reality, And the way that you create your own reality is, the way that we create our own reality is we change our inner world to reflect our external world. And so one of the biggest things that I can like, how do I approach this with logic? Let me approach this with logic first. One, our thoughts that just come up randomly throughout the day. For example, when um, we are doing some math homework and we randomly get a flashback to that time that our dad yelled was yelling at us at the family dinner table working through our math problems with us that is that is a subconscious like network of thoughts that your brain has just created a whole bunch of neural pathways to so it 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 triggers these neural pathways and you suddenly remember that memory and so that's kind of an example of how our thoughts are formed in our subconscious and usually originate from experiences in our child development Therefore, a lot of our beliefs were formed in childhood. And there's not much as a child that you can do to control your environment or control what is being fed to you, what you are consuming um, mentally, emotionally, like what you are experiencing. There's not much you can do to control your environment. And therefore, what our childhood selves experienced helped to form beliefs core beliefs within ourselves some negative some positive and those beliefs reflect themselves in how in our subconscious thoughts in our thoughts that come up randomly like think about it if you were to really ask yourself right now just sit in silence for two seconds and ask yourself i wonder what my next thought will be and you just sit and you look and you're trying to look for your next thought it there's most likely nothing's gonna pop up And if anything pops up, it's from your conscious. It is like a conscious choice. Like, oh, I want to think about food. And then you think about food. Those are conscious thoughts. Those are things that, those are thoughts that appear when your mind is being watched. But you're not always aware of your mind. You're not constantly watching your mind. Most days, you're probably watching TV and shit pops up, you know? And so those thoughts being formed in our conscious and not our con not our conscious selves they are therefore not our fault and what this does it offers objective forgiveness it offers objective forgiveness that not a lot of people are aware of like for example some people really think that they are shitty at math and they really really like before they even sit down to tackle a math problem the first thing they will say in a math class is I can't do math. I've worked with kids who, like, the first thing they've said to me in our beginner's, like, tutor math class is, like, oh, I just really suck at math. Like, I'm not good at it. I'm like, well, that's what, that's what we're here to do. We're here to learn math. Like, like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't care about whatever beliefs you have. This is what we're gonna do with what you have. But the point is that there are people who really identify with the fact with experiences from their childhood with with beliefs that they have about themselves like full on identify and it's limiting it is because what happens is people will 
have a bad experience, for example, with math, like I mentioned before, with the dad at the family dinner table, they go to class and the only things they can remember from their from their math homework when the teacher asks for it is how their dad just finished yelling at them for how stupid they are and um, how they can't do fractions. And then the next time you see fractions, right, as a kid, you kind of get nervous a little bit. You're like, oh, my dad said I can't do fractions. My dad said I'm not really good with fractions, so I don't think I'm good at fractions. I don't know if I'm going to get through this lesson. Does not make an objective truth, right? Because obviously you're a little kid. You're going to learn more math. You're going to get better at it. But you don't you don't see that in the grand scheme of things, right? But then those thoughts, that thought, that memory, that neural pathway is already there. That that already formed in the mind. So now every time they're doing fractions, it just keeps popping up. And what I'm saying is that you don't have to prove to yourself externally first. You can you can change your internal world to reflect externally. And so what this does, what this knowledge does is it it's now gives you the responsibility to reprogram your mind, reprogram our minds and break old patterns. And by the way, that child who struggles with fractions, that was literally me. That was literally me. My dad used to yell at me, you don't know basic fractions. And I, I really thought I didn't know basic fractions. Even to this day, I look at fractions in complicated problems and I've like, I've tackled quadratic equations. I've tackled, I've tackled like trigonometry, like, and yet fractions, fractions fuck me over. Every time I see them, I think to myself, I'm not going to get the right answer. But that's something that I got to work on. That's something that I know I've dealt with fractions. I've literally externally showed myself that I can deal with fractions and yet it's still something that like still pops up it's still like a subconscious thought that's like kind of barely there and that's stupid (laughs) like what and so a lot of people they have these beliefs and these thoughts and they think nothing of it they think that like they think to themselves like oh everybody hates me well does everybody hate you do you know that (laughs) do you really know that see when we're a kid we're like sponges we take everything in and it's hard it's hard because then we take everything in and whatever environment we grew up in that kind of solidifies what our mindset will potentially be if you leave your subconscious unchecked there's a lot of shit that it will stop you from doing there's a lot of shit that it will tell you to do that you should not be doing and so what i'm saying is when you identify with these thoughts you reaffirm the reality that you're currently living in as well as your limiting beliefs your limiting core beliefs Not every childhood thought or belief is bad. Some are positive. But some of those thoughts take on a completely different effect. Um, My mom told me that I really suck at getting things done and that I'm lazy. So I'm lazy. That's why I tell people I'm lazy. Are you lazy? Did you get up today? Did you show up today? Did you breathe? Like, (laughs) define lazy for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's so many things that create core beliefs for us that have no right being core beliefs for us because they're not objective truths. And how do I know they're not objective truths? It's because I know 100% that you do not want to walk into a room and tell everybody, I suck at math. That's not something that you really want to believe. That's not something you like feeling or believing. It's not necessarily a positive trait. It, it may be a neutral trait to you, but it's not necessarily positive. And so whatever you want, whatever you feel like you should be, whatever you feel like you want to be, that is the objective truth for you. Whatever your desires are, that is what you need to get in alignment with. Because otherwise, like, 
Otherwise, you're aligning with a whole different destiny. If that's not the destiny you want, then it's not the destiny for you, right? Like, that's not, you are limiting your world. So when you can distance yourself from your thoughts, when we can distance ourselves from our thoughts, when we can see a negative thought and say, that's not really me, that's not my thoughts or what aligns with me, those are ideas that other people introduced into my life, but that's not my conscious self. Therefore, like, it just does not align. When you can create that distance, you can see it for what it is and be able to reprogram your mind, change it out. Oh, I'm not good at fractions. You can really just, you can be a little bit more honest and be like, you know, honestly, fractions scare me a little bit, but I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenge. I'm always ready for a challenge. You can, you can alter it slightly or you can go full head and be like, nah, I'm good at math. I'm good at learning. If I'm not good at math, I'm good at learning math. I'm consistent in learning math and being becoming better. And when you can identify with a thought like that, your inner world starts, your external world starts to change that. Your teachers start to see you as somebody who seeks to be better. I feel like I've been unlocking pieces of myself through healing, which have allowed me to finally move forward and away from the stagnation that I felt for years in order to cultivate the life that I truly desire. And one of those ways through healing is looking, taking a look back into my past and realizing what internal beliefs that I have now, where they originated in my childhood, for example, that math one, and healing that and recognizing it, creating distance between me and that negative thought and saying, that's not me. And then being able to, now I'm finally able to move forward. Another thing that like, another example for my own life is that like working out consistently i used to think of myself as like i'm lazy literally all of everything every example i bring up is from my experiences um i'm lazy think to myself like i'm fucking lazy like i can't get up and do shit because that's what my parents would tell me whenever i didn't want to go do something like whenever i did want to stay home from school whenever i did want to like i didn't want to get up and 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 go to practice they'd literally look at me and tell me like you're lazy that's why that's why it's because you're lazy I believe them, but no, it's because I was a kid, like, there's other shit I wanted to be doing, there's shit that, like, you know what I mean, like, either I was sick, like, I was literally sick, and they called me lazy, like, what, what the fuck, <laughs> like, so, now I took, I finally took back that part of me, I looked back, and I said, like, that's not me, it wasn't until I saw somebody, like, a therapist on, like, my TikTok 40 page come up, and she said, laziness isn't a thing, laziness isn't a thing, like, it's not a medical term. It's not real. People should stop using it for their kids because it doesn't apply to them. And it honestly just passes off their problems and whatever internal conflict they're having as like due to some, some problem that's their fault. It's not their fault. They've probably got some shit going on in their head that prevents them from going and doing the things that they want to actually be doing. And that's so true, right? Like, that's what I mean, like those blocks. So I went back into my childhood. And I was like, that's where it came from. That's why I think that I can't do shit consistently. And so I started to reaffirm myself. I started to create affirmations. Like I am the kind of person who actively pursues and achieves my goals. I started to create affirmations like I are manifestation statements. Like I have my dream body, whatever. I started to identify myself with those positive thoughts. I started to identify myself and align myself with the reality that I wanted in order to be able to go to the gym consistently. And it's honestly the most aligned 
that I've felt in a really long time, like taking that action, taking that first step. After I changed my internal thoughts, I started to reprogram that mind, that part of myself that said I was lazy. And I started to create distance between that thoughts and realize it for what it was. What it was it was an external source telling me something that wasn't true because they're not me. How the fuck would they know if I'm lazy or not or if I've got traumas that I'm working through, okay? Like, we shouldn't over-identify with the thoughts that don't align with our desires, you know? Like, um, I actually don't even believe you should identify over-identify with any thought in that life is an illusion, but that's a, that's a talk for an Eckhart Tolle book review or something, but... Um, but yeah, this, it, it's, it's incredibly powerful what you choose to believe. And that's my two cents on it. So thank you guys all for listening. I wish you guys the best of luck on your healing journey. Good morning, y'all, and welcome to the Living Today podcast. My name is Jem, and today's topic is the who are you, who am I question. Um, this is the kind of question that you, we see in a lot of like self-discovery movies, where the protagonist will go and climb a mountain and search for their own self-purpose and self-journey. And then at the end of it, they're like, oh, the answers were all inside of me. Oh, my God. And it's like, it's basically just like a one large self-journey, like, I want to know who I am question, right? That one. And I want to talk about this not in a sense of like to offer advice or to relay any personal experiences but more so just to share how insecure I have been recently about this and I want to share that because like I feel like that's something that it's almost unusual it's almost unusual what I'm about to talk about and what I mean by that is that when people ask me who are you I get insecure and That's because I have been recently getting heavily into um, the idea of eco-death and the disidentification with the material things of this life, of my life, of this world. And um, that really comes from The Power of Now that I've been reading by Eckhart Tolle, where essentially the author just kind of goes on and on about how to accept the present, live in the present, and By living in the present, you kill suffering because suffering lives on within time, the illusion of time, and lives on within the ego in which the ego essentially is like a part, the part of ourselves that clings on to identification, any form of identification, right? So for example, if you identify as somebody who is a really good writer when somebody critiques your work and says you're actually a really shitty writer you either immediately get defensive or really really bothers you and that's because your ego has identified with being a writer and when your ego is threatened when your identity is threatened by something that contradicts it you get triggered right so basically killing that part of ourselves killing identification so when people ask me who are you i have worked so hard over the past couple of like the past year to kill identification with the things of my life that's the point to the point where when people ask me who am i i almost want to say nobody because i don't genuinely i i don't believe that human beings worth or value lies within what they do lies within what they identify as i don't think that 
And um, that's pretty generally true, right? Most people will agree that if you're a human being, you're worth something, right? You're not worth more or less than anybody else. And um, going deeper into that, it's it's more like the power of now also mentions this, where it's the idea of we are all one, just one large consciousness. We are all just one large energy force, a part of the universe, as the universe is super, super fucking huge, right? And we are all just one consciousness living and and energy gets recycled whatever whatever and accepting that idea and fully fully immersing yourself in that for like months imagine like put yourself to put yourself in my shoes immersing yourself in those ideas for several months trying to in a sense kill your own ego which ironically um Well, anyway, we won't get into that. (laughs) But yeah, I've been on this journey of almost trying to disidentify with the things that have caused me a lot of suffering. So I get scared to identify with things. I get scared to label myself as things. Because I don't want to ever put myself in a position in which I suffer because my identification is threatened. Right? So when people ask me, like, who are you? I get insecure because I don't want to answer. I don't want to tell them anything. I don't want them to have a perception of me that will then be challenged because I know it will be challenged because not everybody believes the same things that I do. That I know will be challenged in the future when I inevitably change. And... Um... Because, again, I don't believe people's worth or anything like that is defined by people's actions. <coughs> I think that people can be differentiated by what they do and what they don't do, obviously, right? But it's almost like, when people ask me, like, who are you? It's almost like they're searching for what value I can add um, or take away. And that scares me. And I'm just being very incredibly vulnerable here because it's true. A lot of us, like, even even if you don't necessarily believe in ego death, when people want to get to know you, there are things that we hide about ourselves because we don't necessarily want to identify with that. Um, there are things that we put at the forefront that we say immediately, right? For a lot of people, like, they identify with their profession. Who are you? Oh, oh, well, I'm, I am a doctor, I am a lawyer, you know, I am a mother, right? Those are all things that we, like, put forth or maybe, like, rank, you know? And I have nothing to rank. And that's not to say that I don't do anything. That, like, I actually, I think there are several things that a former past version of myself would be eager to share, but I don't want to share them anymore because I am so avid about almost killing those perceptions of myself that identify so heavily with the things that make me look good or bad. Ironically, the fact that I'm identifying with 
an ego death and ego killer is ego so i think it's 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 really weird it's really a cycle of things and this is just why i wanted to discuss it because i think it's cool i think it's interesting to see how it is literally in everything how humans are drawn to identify with things and actually i wanted to sort of pose a question to myself and anybody who's listening is like is ego always bad well, I don't think it is really bad at all, but <coughs> I don't think that even if it may cause some suffering, I don't think that anything that causes suffering is necessarily quote unquote bad, right? And this is if we're venturing into the idea of like good and bad, like what is right? And we we can label those things as good and bad. And that's fine and dandy, but it's just a question. And I think that's an experience that I wanted to share because I think I just wanted to sort of journal it out um, verbally. But, you know, just to appease the question when people ask me, I do tell them, like, the things that I do or or what maybe what I would have answered in the past. But deep down, I usually... I usually cringe at the question. And maybe that's something maybe that's something to say about me. Maybe that's something about my own like shadow. It could be very well that I run away from identification because of a fear of disappointment or a lack of external validation. Because that is also something that that works is like identification also kind of corresponds with how people's seek or desires for external validation through identification of of things that would please other people right but i don't have all the answers and that is okay and that is something i wanted to share because i don't have the answers Anyway, I wish you all the best of luck on your journey.